I want us to open the Word of God this morning in the book of Mark's Gospel, and uh, we read in Mark's Gospel in the chapter number 11. That's the 11th chapter of the book of Mark's Gospel. Let's follow the reading of God's infallible Word together, and uh, then we'll uh, study the Word of God together this morning. That is in the book of Mark's Gospel and the 11th chapter and uh, commencing to read at the verse number one. Let's follow the reading of God's infallible word this morning. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives he sent forth two disciples, and his, uh, two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a cold tide, whereon never man set. Loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him thither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways meet or met, and they loosed him. And certain of them that stood there said unto him, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as the Lord had commanded. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus. They cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees, and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked around about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. We end our reading there, and we know that God will add his blessing to the reading of his precious truth for his name's sake. Let's just bow our heads for a wee word of prayer. Eternal God and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy precious word again. We pray that by thy Holy Spirit that thou wilt bless this thy word to our hearts. We pray that thou wilt indeed help us to understand, Lord, just exactly what these verses really mean and how they ought to challenge us. We pray that we might leave thy house today being challenged through thy precious and infallible truth. We pray this in Jesus' precious name and for Jesus' sake and glory. Amen. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is about to enter into Jerusalem and then go to the cross and shed his precious blood so that you and I could be saved, that man could be reconciled, brought back to God. Now the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, although the Saviour knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem, the Word of God tells us that he set his face as a flint 
to go to Jerusalem. In other words, nothing would stop the Savior from going to the cross. The devil tried, indeed, during the life of the Savior. Even at his birth, the devil tried to have the, 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 the baby Jesus killed. Uh, of course, the devil wanted to stop his greatest defeat at the cross through the shedding of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus was on the boat on the Sea of Galilee? The devil tried to capsize the boat and that the Lord Jesus would be drowned. Why? Because the devil wanted to stop the work of the cross. But of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing could stop him from going to the cross. For this purpose, he came. He came to die and shed his precious blood upon the cross of Calvary. Now we notice when the Lord Jesus Christ came to the city, it says in verse number 1, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples. And then the Bible tells us in verse 11, Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. But the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll notice on this occasion, the Lord Jesus Christ did not approach Jerusalem under the under the shadow or under the cover of darkness. But the Lord Jesus Christ came openly. Now, whenever you look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find that quite often through his ministry, that the Lord Jesus Christ did not want to make himself known as to who he was and why he came. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples quite often, although they didn't, didn't sink into them, that he came to die and he would go to the cross and a man would put him to that cruel tree and he would, be, he would shed his precious blood there. But the Lord Jesus on this occasion comes in publicly into the city. He rides in publicly into Jerusalem. He didn't slip unnoticed as he had done over the years. There were occasions he came into the city and they didn't know he was there. But, you know, when the Lord Jesus Christ, for example, whenever the leper... Let's turn back for a moment in Mark's Gospel in chapter 1. The Bible tells us in verse 44 that whenever this leper, in verse number 40, there came a leper to him, beseeching, kneeling to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now the Lord Jesus Christ cleansed this man out of his leprosy, and then in verse 44 it says, And Jesus said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man. He did not want it known. He did not want it known at that particular time concerning this miracle that the Lord Jesus Christ had wrought. If you go to the fifth chapter of the book of Mark's gospel, you'll find there there was a young girl. And this young girl was healed. And we find indeed it was the ruler of the synagogue's young daughter, verse 35 of chapter 5. And it says, There came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. And so this young girl has not only been sick, but now she's dead. And the Lord Jesus Christ raises her from the dead. But look at verse number 43. And Jesus charged them straightly that no man should know it. And commanded that something should be given her to eat. Now when you go to chapter 8 of the book of Mark's gospel. You find that the Lord Jesus Christ there in chapter 8. We, we find if you go down into uh, chapter 8. Uh, and uh, verse number 30. It says once again. 
And uh, the, the context, of course, is verse 27. Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. By the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And, of course, they, some of them answered, John the Baptist, others Elias, and one of the prophets. Verse 29, And he saith unto him, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. Look at verse 30. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And so we find that there are times the Lord Jesus Christ, during his the commencement of his ministry and during his ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ says, do not tell who I am. Now, why was he doing that? Why did the Lord Jesus Christ not want everybody to know that he was indeed the Messiah? And yet we find in this chapter 11, the Lord Jesus Christ comes publicly riding into the city in the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. There is something different. And the reason, of course, is very simple. Because, you see, the Jews had a misunderstanding concerning the nature of the Messiah. Whenever they heard that he was the Messiah, of course, they believed that the Messiah would be a political revolutionary, one that would lead them out of the bondage of the Roman authority. He would be a political deliverer. But that was not what the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would do. The Lord Jesus Christ would not come as a political deliverer. He would come as a deliverer from man's sin. And so we find that during the early ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a low-key presence there. It was a, he carried on his ministry. He carried on the healing of the sick and, 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 and pastoring and training the twelve disciples. But it wasn't until this time the Lord Jesus Christ would come and he would enter into the city of Jerusalem different than ever he did before. In other words, all the secrecy has ended. He must manifest himself as the Messiah, the Son of God. He heals the blind man on that final journey. You remember it was Bartimaeus and as he healed him, there was a big crowd that were there. But the Lord Jesus Christ didn't mind. The crowd saw what Jesus had done and the mighty power that Jesus Christ had healed. And Bartimaeus joined the crowd on their way to Jerusalem. But the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, was on his last journey to the cross. He delivers the demoniac of Gadara. And praise God, he tells him to go home and tell them, tell your friends, your family, the great things the Lord hath done. This is not hidden anymore. No, he wants them to know that he indeed is the Son of God. And so as he comes to die, he enters into Jerusalem that all should know it. You see, whenever he taught spiritual truths, it was to the few of his disciples. When he delivered his parables, he addressed a multitude of poor and ignorant Galileans. When the miracles he wrought, he usually did them in Capernaum, in Zebulun, Anathali. But when he comes to die, when it comes on this last journey, he's entering into the city of Jerusalem. But there is something different here. The Lord Jesus Christ comes and there's a public entry. And he comes riding upon an animal into that city. 
Not recorded before that he came riding on an animal. But the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to look at this particular passage because he draws attention to himself. He draws attention to the rulers, uh, to uh, uh, the attention of him to the rulers and the priests and the elders and the scribes and the Greeks and the Romans. You see, to everything there's a season. There's a time for everything. And this was the time when the Lord Jesus Christ would reveal who indeed he was. This was an ordained event cross and yet on that great day of his entering triumphantly into Jerusalem he uses the most unlikely means to actually enter in the king the king of glory the king of kings the lord of lords he's riding upon a colt that's the royal transportation, a coat upon which never a man sat. Now, of course, we know that when the Lord Jesus Christ was coming into Jerusalem at this time, at least three remarkable prophecies were being fulfilled. First of all, in the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, that prophecy was being fulfilled, although it was written some 450 years before. Also, we find that Psalm 118 was being fulfilled. Just let's turn there for a moment in Psalm, 150, uh, Psalm 118. Whenever you look at that Psalm, Psalm 118, and you come to verse number 25, it says, Save now. I beseech thee, O Lord. See that word, save now. That's the same word as Hosanna. The very same word as Hosanna. They cried out, remember, when the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in this 11th chapter, that the crowd, they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the word, save now, from the, in other words, they were quoting from Psalm 119. Because the word, save now, is the same word, in Hebrew, Hosanna. The people were quoting from the psalm. And then, of course, the final fulfillment, or another fulfillment, was in Daniel chapter 9. For we find in Daniel chapter 9, which was written some 600 years before the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ into that city, the Jews were given the exact day in history when their Messiah would enter the city. And so therefore we find that everything has been fulfilled. You see, for everything there is a season. There's a moment. There's a time. And this was the time. The other thing I think is amazing is this. You know that 40% of all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the last seven days of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But 40% of all of the Gospels cover seven days of those 33 years that the Lord Jesus was upon this earth. Those important days when the Lord Jesus, of course, why? Because here we find the central theme of it all, the cross. 
the death and resurrection. That's the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Yes, the very central theme of it all is the cross work of Jesus Christ. The shedding of his precious blood and his glorious resurrection because of our justification. But I want us to consider this morning the means that the Lord used to enter into the city. You see, quite often people have this idea that the Lord can only use big things. That you have to be something important for God to use. That you have to be some big person for God to use. You've got to have some outstanding talent for God to use. And I want us to notice as we study God's word today, just what God used. The simple thing that God used as he entered into the, the, the Lord Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem. It was not something great. Now the Lord Jesus Christ, as we come to this, and we're going to read and study just these verses here in Mark chapter 11, we find that the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives some instruction and some information to his two disciples concerning what they were to do. See, the Lord makes it clear. Do you remember what Saul asked him? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now the Lord, whenever God's child asked that, the Lord didn't leave him in darkness. The Lord revealed, in his time, the Lord revealed just exactly what he was to do. Remember, with God there's always a time. And friend, never be discouraged because you think and you expect it should be now. Well, just wait patiently for him now the Lord give them some specific minute instruction and information as to what to do and what to find there was another occasion he told two disciples it was Peter and John later on we find in Mark's gospel chapter 14 do you remember whenever they're making the final preparation for the final feast that the Savior would have with his disciples in that upper room and he told them to go into a certain place. And the, the, he told them that there would be a man there. They would find a man who, was, who had got a pitcher, a pitcher of water. And of course they were to ask him concerning the room that was prepared. Now the Lord Jesus Christ knew exactly where he would be. The Lord Jesus Christ knew what he was carrying. And the Lord Jesus Christ knew exactly where he would take them. And when I look at this passage of God's word, look at verse number two. He told them to go into this village and said unto them, Go your way into a village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a coat tied whereon never man sat. Now it wasn't any coat, it wasn't any animal, it was a specific animal. It was one that was tied and one upon upon which never man sat and they were to loose him and they were to bring him to Jesus now notice the Lord knew every detail concerning this animal where it was and what it was uh, his condition and all the rest of it and that encourages me to remember this God knows all about you and me 
He knows about your situation. Maybe you say, remember David said one time, there's no man cares for my soul. He felt so lonely. And friend, I want to encourage you today, listen, never be discouraged because God knows all about your need. And the great thing about it is this, as the word of God says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Not according to your poverty, but according to his riches. God shall supply all your need, not some of it. God will meet the need of this flock. God will meet the need of this congregation. And God knows what the need is. God knows what the need is. And so I want you to notice the Lord knew everything about it. Now I want you to notice here the coat. The coat identified. Now when the Lord Jesus Christ entered into Jerusalem, he didn't ride on horseback. He didn't choose that. He chose an ass, a coat. You know, kings ride upon horseback. Of course, they rode on horseback when they were going to war. But we find that those that rode upon an ass, they came in peace. See, the Lord Jesus Christ was not coming to war, but the Lord Jesus Christ was coming into Jerusalem to make peace through the blood of his cross. And thank God it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that you and I, justified by faith, can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting, the first mention of the ass in the Scripture is in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, and that was concerning Abram and Isaac. Do you remember they're going to Mount where? Mount Moriah. And where was that? That's the same Mount Range as the cross where Jesus Christ died. There's nothing without significance in the word of God the other occasion of course is mention of an ass was Balaam's ass and do you remember Balaam was, was, was willing to as it were to defy the Lord and yet God spurred him because the very ass spake to him and people say that's a remarkable thing an ass speaking let me tell you there's nothing that God can't do for him there's nothing that God can't do do you remember whenever the children of Israel were going through or were, were to go through the Red Sea, what happened? God just opened up the way. God rolled the waters back. And they went across on dry land. Now, of course, when the Egyptians followed, the Lord just folded the water back over them. And they were destroyed. There's nothing that listen. Remember the question, listen. But this is impossible. And what did Jesus say? With God things all things are possible. Only believe. Only believe. You need to believe. You need to really believe the Lord. Now, the most remarkable ass or colt and the mule in the Bible is not Balaam's and not Abram's, but this one here. And I want you to see the identification here of this because there's something specific about it. First of all, this colt was redeemed. It had to be redeemed. It was a young colt upon which never man had sat. And whenever you think back to the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, the firstborn of an ass, like the firstborn of man, had to be redeemed. Now you find that if you go back to the book of Exodus chapter 13. 
And let me show you how it is redeemed. And again, that's significant too. In Exodus chapter 13, in the verse number 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. Now go down to verse number 13. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. And all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. Now God says that this animal had got to be redeemed. And if it was not redeemed, this firstborn, then its neck was to be broken. Now if it was to be redeemed, it could be only redeemed in one way. It was to be redeemed by a lamb. In other words, the lamb's blood had to be shed. Now the very fact that this ass was alive, this colt was alive, was proof that it had been redeemed. Because if it had not been redeemed, it would have been dead. Thank God, my friend, for God to use you and God to use me. This is the first thing. You've got to be redeemed. You're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the ass is in itself a senseless creature. It is totally incapable of understanding its need of redemption. Never mind provide a way of redemption. And of course that reminds us of you and me. Because you and I of ourselves, let me tell you, the God of this world have blinded the minds of them that believe not. You and I of ourselves are incapable of understanding our need of redemption as well as totally incapable of redeeming ourselves. And so this cult, this cult is redeemed. It's not only a senseless animal, it's a stubborn animal, it's a defiant animal. You've heard, as stubborn as a mule. Would you say, what's that to do with us? Well then read in Job chapter 11, verse 12, it says this, For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. So God just reminds us, just exactly who we are. Who we are. And friend, we were rebellious. And of ourselves, we were defiant. And we lived in a defiant way. But praise God, let me tell you, God, by the blessed Holy Spirit, broke our wills. And brought us savingly to the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God we've been redeemed. The Lamb died in the cold stead. That's how it was redeemed. And thank God the Lamb of God died in our guilty room instead. And we are redeemed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every man to his own way. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. But I notice not only is this lamb, and it has been redeemed, or this colt, it has been redeemed. But there's still a problem. Because this colt, notice the Lord Jesus say in verse 2, 
Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied. Tied. Now, whilst it has been redeemed, it needs to be released. It's not released. Completely released. You see, the colt wasn't born to be kept tied because the colt was a free-roaming creature. And you and I are not born to be tied. You say, well, what is that all about? Let me say this. There are many of God's people today and many of God's children are redeemed. Yes, we are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But we need freedom. We need to liberty. We are in certain bondage. We need released. What does it say in Hebrews chapter 12? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. And I believe with all my heart that in the life of a child of God there is a battle in a sin that you will easily fall in. And the devil knows it and so do you. Now others may not see it and others may not know it but I'll tell you this. There is a battleground in the heart of the believer. Listen, we are redeemed. Yes, we are. But have we the liberty, the freedom that Jesus Christ promised to give to us, his people? Or is there a sin that we're bound in? Is there something we need freed from? A specific sin. This colt was tied. It needed to be released. Maybe today, in God's house, you need released. Do you remember whenever, in the 11th chapter of the book of John's Gospel, do you remember the Lord Jesus Christ came to the grave of Lazarus? He, he shouted these words. He says, Lazarus, come forth! And the Bible says Lazarus came forth and he was bound hand and foot. There was still a binding on him. Now friend, listen. He had life. He came forth. He had life. But he had not full liberty. And what did Jesus say to his disciples? Now, Jesus Christ didn't take those bindings off him. He could. But he didn't. What did he say to, to Mary and Martha and those that were standing there? He says, loose him. The Lord Jesus Christ told them, Jesus saith unto them, John's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 44. Unto them, loose him and let him go. And friend, that's a ministry that can be in the church. If there is a brother or sister that is bound, 
Friend, let me tell you, you don't kick them. In God's name, you put your arms around them and you seek to reach them and deliver them and help them through and bring them to liberty. To bring them to liberty. And Jesus said, see, the Lord knew exactly not only where this animal was, but the Lord knew what it needed. This animal needed released. And I asked you this morning in God's presence here, and I asked for my own heart. Are we bound by old habits? Are we bound by circumstances? Are we bound by something? A weight that we've got to lay aside to be able to run the race. Right. With joy that is set before us. Now you'll notice that this colt also was not with the Saviour at this moment, but was at a distance from Christ. Because the Lord Jesus says, Go into the village over against you, and as soon as you enter into it, you'll find the colt tied. Now you've got to bring him to me. He's not here with me at this moment, but bring him. He, he, he's at a distance from Christ. And that also can speak to my heart. Because you remember what it said concerning Peter. Peter followed afar off. And there are God's children who are following afar off. Now there were other colts, there were other asses, and they had their freedom, but this animal was had not was not enjoying its freedom. This animal was tied. And the Lord Jesus said, Bring him to me. Now notice also something else. It says here, This animal was tied. And it was tied without. You'll find a tide and bring him to me. In Israel, the commentators tell us that in actual fact, you would not find often a colt tied outside. It actually would be tied inside. But this animal was in a specific place. But notice the Lord Jesus Christ knew exactly all about it. He knew all about it. But the Lord Jesus says, loose him and bring him to me. Now notice another wee thing. The Lord Jesus Christ said to them, loose him and bring him. Now he didn't say, ask permission. They were not told to ask permission to bring him to Jesus. The Bible says here, you bring him, loose him, and bring him before ever asking permission. Jesus never asked permission for him. He's Lord. He's Lord. He doesn't have to ask permission of you and me. Do you remember in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, he entered into the boat. There were a crowd of people gathered around the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's such a crowd, the Lord Jesus Christ needed to go out from the shore 
And he entered into Simon Peter's boat. But notice he never asked him permission. It's just he entered into it. And then he says, launch out. Move out from the shore. He commanded him. Didn't ask permission. Do you remember the, the day the Lord Jesus Christ worked the miracles of the loaves and the fishes? The Lord Jesus Christ never asked permission of a little boy. You'll not find that anywhere in the scriptures. Never asked permission for the five loaves and the wee fishes. But I'll tell you this. No man ever lost giving up to Christ. You never lose by gladly giving to Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ said this. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you... Why do you this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him. Now mark this little sentence here because perhaps you misunderstand it. And straightway he will send him hither. And most people think as whenever you say, well, the Lord hath need of him, straightway he'll give him. That's not the meaning of that at all. It says Ye shall say, The Lord hath need of him, and straightway he, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, he will send him thither. In other words, he will send him back again. What the Lord is saying is, listen, the Lord's just taking a loan of him. You're only lending him to me. Remember, isn't that what Hannah did with Samuel? She said, I lent him on to the Lord. You never lose what you give to God, friend. In actual fact, I was reading that again last night as I was just looking over this and studying this again. Hannah, give on to the Lord, friend. She give on to the Lord. And turn to 1 Samuel, very quickly, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it tells us there concerning Hannah and whenever she, she had this little boy and, 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 and the Bible says in verse number 23, chapter 1, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seemeth thee good. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. Verse 28, Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Go to chapter 2 quickly. And it says in verse number 20, And Eli blessed Elkanah his wife, and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went into their house, and the Lord visited Hannah and so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. God give her five in the place of the one that she lent him. You never lose in what you give to God, friend. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver. And when you give your tithes and your offerings unto the Lord, friend, you never lose by doing so because God will, listen, God is no man's debtor. God will not be in debt to you. And the Bible says, listen, he says, you tell him, if they ask you, why are you doing this? The Lord hath need of him, and straightway 
He will send him back to you. In other words, after the Lord has used him. He'll send him back. And anything given to God, friend, it comes back again. Now you don't give to get. But I can tell you, you don't give without God returning. Hundredfold. God will bless you in what you give to God. What a wonderful thing. I don't know whether this man had got any other animals, but I can tell you this. What a wonderful thing. He gave what he had to Jesus. Do you remember the woman? The woman that had only just got so little and she gave all she had. She gave all that she had. More than anybody else because they of their abundance gave. But this woman put off her arms. She, she, gave, she gave all that she had. And praise God. Praise God. He gave his coat to Jesus. Now very quickly, I want to show you this because time's just away. Here's the clear instruction here. Go, find, and bring. Clear instruction. He tells his two disciples to go. Here was a clear command. They were to go. Go where? Go into the village. Into this specific village. And what to find? To find a coat. And they were to listen. And they were to bring him to Jesus. Now all they were to do was to obey. And friend, that's all you and I are to do. We're to obey. They weren't to ask permission of anyone. They were simply to obey. Why? Because they had a higher authority. And you and I, friend, when God tells us, he told his children, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, not everybody understood this. Not everybody was happy. Because the Bible says in verse 5, And certain of them that stood there said unto them, Why do you loosen the coat? Of course, the Lord knew all about it. Hadn't the Lord prepared everything? He knew every detail, every simple detail. For the Lord was making a way. And praise God when they said that the Lord had need of them. They let him go. They let him go. You know when the Lord commands that's all we have to do is obey. The last thing I once noticed this is what happened whenever this cult came to Jesus. Because there's a control initiated here. Christ commanded the disciples to go and liberate the cult. But notice whenever this cult was brought to Jesus, Jesus knew that never man sat on him. In other words, up to that moment, that cult was useless. It had never been used. In other words, it had never been broken. Never man had sat upon it. It had never been taught submission. 
Its mouth had never held in, been held in by a bit or a bridle. Remember I said, a coat, an ass is a stubborn thing. And one upon which man had never sat, it would have been self-willed. It would kick. But notice, when Jesus sat upon it, there's no rebellion. Its will was broken. And for us to be used of God, friend, our will must be broken. Saul of Tarsus was a man that was one that was well read and yes, the Pharisee, the Pharisee, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, all the rest of it. But when the love of the Lord saved him, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And if you and I are to be used of God, our will has to be broken. We don't tell the Lord what we're going to do. He tells us. We're under instruction. And the Lord not only had this colt freed, but praise God, he changed it completely. An unbroken colt would have kicked back it would have arched its back. It had a rebellious nature. It would go its own way. And this is the first time that man ever sat upon it. And yet this is what the Bible says. And they brought the coat to Jesus. Cast their garments on him. And he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches of the trees. And strawed them in the way. And they that went before. And they that followed cried saying. Hosanna blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Verse 11. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And into the temple. Not a mention of the animal. Bolton. Not a mention of the animal kicking back. Remember this. There's a crowd around. All the noise. Here was a young colt that man had never sat upon. And yet he entered into Jerusalem. Now I sat on a donkey's back and I can tell you. An ass of back and they are as stubborn. And they'll go their own way. But notice this. Jesus entered into Jerusalem. It didn't go its own way. It went his way. And that's what God wants you and me this morning to do. If we're going to be used of him, we have got to be subdued by him. We have got to be directed by him. And this quote never had performed any useful service until this moment. 
And yet that day, it came into the service of the Master, used by him. Used by him. It carried the Lord Jesus Christ in triumph. This wee little coat that was standing outside tied had been brought in to usefulness and shared in the Saviour's glory. You know, you and I have only one duty today. And that is to do what that colt did. The Saviour sat on him. In other words, the colt lifted Jesus high. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem. That's what you and I have to do. We're not here to uplift ourselves. We're here to uplift him. Here's my last thought. Can you imagine whenever that cold came back? And whenever the master, its owner, got it back, this cold was different. It would never be the same again. What a joy to the master to know. My little colt was used to take the Messiah in triumph in a Jerusalem. What a precious little animal. Friend, there's no greater joy in this earth than to be used in the service of the Master. Little as much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame for there's a crown and you can win it when you go in Jesus name let's pray Heavenly Father realize today that of ourselves we're nothing but just like that little unbroken coat never used before of no use I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me oh God as you took the little loaves and fishes from the little lad you fed five thousand oh God I pray that you'll take the little that we are that we have. Use us for thy glory. Help us like that little colt to lift Jesus high. 
to honor him in all things. Use us. In Jesus' name.